Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. You are listening to Forgive Our Sins as We Forgive by Guest Minister Rev. John Rotman. Lord God, we thank you for your word and for your teaching us and for your showing us things. Help us to experience something of your forgiveness as we open your word and hear it preached. Help us to see the power of your forgiveness in your church and among your people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible reading for tonight is from Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18, beginning with verse 21. We're going to look at forgiveness tonight. Hospitality has been one of the themes at LaGrave Church over the last number of Sundays, and I hope we can keep in mind that God's forgiveness of us is the ultimate and superlative act of hospitality for us, and it makes us welcome here. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servant. As he begins the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servants fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. I remember it like it was yesterday. Eric stole my socks. The accusation was made by my daughter as my son looked down at his feet. Yeah, my son seemed to admit flat emotion. Well, take them off right now a long-standing childhood tension in the air. My daughter grabbed the socks with righteous indignation. 
Uh, about a week later, I witnessed a nearly identical incident. Once again, socks on the wrong feet. Last week's irritation turned to exasperation. Are you kidding me? You're wearing my socks again? Well, they were in my drawer. Moving in, I tried to explain that I probably had mistakenly put them in the wrong pile of clothes when I was sorting them, but my daughter was not to be called off. He should have known, she said. He doesn't even own a pair of socks like that. I'm sorry, my son uh, mumbled with little or no contrition. Well, if you were sorry, my daughter said, you wouldn't take my socks. The third time, about a month later, was the final straw. Yet a third sock-stealing, sock-borrowing incident. Fireworks, a whole breach in family relations. That's it. How could you have done it again? Clearly now my son was a habitual offender. Needed forgiveness for the third time. Back in Jesus' day, of course, the rabbis would have told him, or would have told her, go ahead and forgive. Three times is what you should forgive somebody. Call it the rabbi, rabbi's three-time forgiveness rule. Three times and you could cross someone off your list. Three strikes and you're out. But until then... So, so in today's Bible reading, when Peter proposes a seven-time forgiveness rule... He expects Jesus to give him some applause. Bravo, Peter. Double the rabbi's three rule of forgiveness and add one. Seven times forgiveness. The perfect religious number. Perfect forgiveness. Yay. You can see Peter standing there, of course, with his scorebook in hand. Page one features Andrew, his brother. No surprise there. You can see numbers down the page, one through seven. Half of them are filled. And then there's another page for each one of the disciples. And, of course, there's one for every family member. And, and then on and on. I mean, you get the idea. A kind of forgiveness scorebook. Jesus, Peter ventures, how many times must I forgive my brother? He glances at Andrew with a smile. Up to seven times because he's going to need it. Expecting Jesus' wholehearted endorsement, Jesus' answer rather catches up Peter short. Oh no, Peter, Jesus counters. You're thinking way too small. Not seven times, but 77 times. A volume for everybody. And to underline his point, Jesus launches into one of his parable stories. There was this king, he says, who decided to settle accounts with his servants. The audit turns up this guy who owes 10,000 bags of gold. About 200,000 years of wages for the average worker. An unimaginable giant pile of money. And since business is business and justice is justice, he orders that the guy and his wife and children be sold into slavery and everything that he owns be sold. His house, his chariot, his wardrobe, his hunting equipment, and on and on and on. 
the works. Of course, he owes more than he can ever repay. So it's game over. Get out of here. Next. But no sooner are the king's orders out of his mouth than this guy drops to his knees. Please, he begs, be patient with me. Please, be patient and I'll pay you everything. A ghost of a smile crosses the king's face. Members of the court can't quite suppress their snorts of laughter. Pay everything? I mean, that's just downright impossible. Ridiculous. Pathetic. But then to everyone's surprise, the king takes pity on the guy and forgives him everything. His whole debt. Big-time debtor is off scot-free. Phew. Then on his way home, Mr. Big-Time Debtor finds a fellow servant who owns him a handful of silver coins. Don't just run away from me, he shouts. You stop right now. In a nearly an identical move, the guy demands repayment and the servant says, forgive me, I'll pay you as soon as I can. But Mr. Big Time Debtor won't hear of it. He has the guy tossed into prison until he can pay the last nickel. Well, justice is justice, I guess, and word does get around. Behavior like that, you know, could destroy a community. Unforgiveness kind of percolating there. And in no time at all, one of the servants tells the king the whole story. As you might guess, the king is fit to be tied. He calls in Mr. Big Time Debtor. Are you kidding me, he says? You desperately wicked jerk. I canceled your gigantic debt. All you did was beg me and I forgave you. And then you go and put the screws to your fellow servant. My gosh, where is mercy? Where is hospitality? And he orders Mr. Big Time Debtor be turned over to the torturers until he's paid every last nickel. And then Jesus adds, and this I guess is the kicker, and that is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you... Forgive your sister or brother from the heart and mean it. Whew. Maybe you wish that Peter just wouldn't have brought the whole subject up, that he would have just let the whole subject of forgiveness kind of sit there. Now it's not just three times or seven times, but unlimited forgiveness for anybody, any time. And it sounds like if you fail to forgive, you could end up, in hell. And on top of it, each of us knows how difficult it is to forgive. Jerlene Riley, a woman I know, knows the challenge of forgiveness. Maybe you've heard her story. On February 16, 1994, she was woken from a nap in her house, having heard gunshots in her living room. As she made her way downstairs, she came, away, she came across her 18-year-old son 
Jeffrey lying in a pool of blood. With a scream, she ran to cradle her baby boy for the last time as the life drained out of him. Police looked for Jeffrey's killer for four years. Finally, they accumulated enough evidence to charge one of Jerlene's neighbors, the guy who lived across the street. I thought I'd feel better after they caught him, she told me, but I didn't. A guy named Belmarcus Jones had killed her son, and he was unrepentant. I hope you don't think I killed your son, he sneered at her. Jerlene, a follower of Jesus, struggled with what it might mean to forgive Valmarcus for killing Jeffrey. Valmarcus wasn't going to apologize, she said, and I was running on empty after that. I mean, most of us can hardly imagine what it might be to try and forgive someone who'd murdered a family member. Forgiveness is tough enough, it seems, when it comes to those lesser offenses. Someone disses or belittles one of our children. Well, what are you going to do about that? Or someone breaks something or takes something that belongs to us. Or someone belittles us or diminishes us. I mean, we take these kind of offenses personally and forgiving them is just hard. We want to hang on to the anger and to the hurt. We withhold our acceptance of the offender because it feels good. We get stuck. Forgiveness, by times and in certain situations, is just plenty difficult, maybe impossible. So where do we look for forgiveness, the power to forgive? when forgiveness seems to elude us and be beyond our grasp. Well, maybe it helped to roll back the story a little bit and look at that king who forgives that servant his unpayable <coughs> mountain of debt. I mean, that's incredibly good news, isn't it? Getting everything forgiven. I mean, watch as the servant drops to his knees asks for forgiveness, and gets everything that he ever asked for. I mean, that's dumb luck winning the lottery. You'd expect this guy to dance from his encounter with the king. Outside the palace, you should be able to hear him from blocks away shouting, I'm debt free. You'd expect him to get up every morning whistling, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, and then to belt out, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me in the shower. I mean, when the forgiveness of the king sinks into your soul, the power of his forgiveness begins to spill out of you in all kinds of ways. That's certainly the good news of the gospel in this little story. God forgives us a mountain of sin and shortcomings. A whole life's worth of lust and pride and selfishness and laziness and all the worst things you could think of. Gone. 
When you belong to the king, he forgives you, and then he sets the power of forgiveness working in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Geraldine Riley felt that power of the king the day she stood in court to make a victim's impact statement at the sentencing of Marcus Jones. She says that as she stood to make her statement, she felt the Holy Spirit whispering to her one word, forgive, forgive, forgive. And she says that she stood with watery eyes and made her statement. She said, Val, I love you. I forgive you for murdering Jeffrey. I hope you find God, and I don't want this to hang over you for the rest of your life. After he went to prison, Val, or Jerlene contacted Val, but he remained rude and standoffish. He would not accept the forgiveness that Jerlene offered him. In 2001, Jerlene stopped trying, kind of. All her empathy, she said, could not overcome her exhaustion. And yet she continued to beg God in her prayers to move in Val's life and to take the pain of Jeffrey's death away from her. Then 16 years later, in 2017, Jerlene got a phone call. Hello, this is Velmarcus Jones, a voice said on the other end of the phone. Jerlene told me she sucked in a deep, sharp breath. The voice said, I called to tell you that I'm terribly sorry for killing Jeffrey. I'm sorry for being terrible to you over all those years, for denying what I did and for turning my back on God. Jerlene says she dropped the phone, burst into tears, and felt the pain lift from her life. After that, Jerlene kept in touch with Val in prison, even as Val Marcus developed this very deep and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. She came to see him graduate last May from the Kelvin Seminary or the Kelvin Seminary and University program at Ionia Prison, where he got an associate degree. Val Marcus has come to call her Mother Jerlene, and she refers to him as her son. Two weeks ago, I go to prison regularly on Mondays, I saw Val Marcus again with one of those trademark smiles he now has, kind of enlivened by the Holy Spirit, he called me over and said, Hey, Professor Rotman, I got something to show you. He pulled out a four-by-six picture of himself and three other people. Who are they, I asked. Well, this one's my daughter, he said, and this one's my son. I said, Oh, yeah, I think I remember. I met your son at the Kelvin Seminary family picnic last summer. And he said, Yeah, I think you did. And then I said, who's that other woman? And he said, oh, that's the mother of my kids. She came to visit me last week for the first time in 20 years. Wow, I said, how did that go? Well, he said, I don't think I could have done it two years ago, but 
When she came, she said, I apologize to her. I told her I was really sorry that she had to raise those children by herself. That should have never happened. And it was my fault. And then I told her that I was sorry how I treated her. I said, no woman should ever have been treated the way I treated you. And I'm sorry. He said those things to her and in front of his two kids. And as he spoke, the Holy Spirit continued to work the magic of Jesus' forgiveness in that room. Later, as she left, his daughter turned to him and said, Daddy, next time I come, I want you to meet your granddaughter. You see, God gets the ball rolling by removing a mountain of unforgivable debt in each one of us. And then God continues to work his forgiveness in our lives in order to give us the freedom and joy of God's forgiveness. The forgiveness of his kingdom, you might call it. To usher us into that kingdom reality, teeming with life and laughter and reconciliation. How many times must I forgive my brother or sister? Thank God nobody in his kingdom is keeping score. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your forgiveness to each one of us. We anchor our lives in that, in the work Jesus did on the cross. We ask that you would continue to work forgiveness in and through us in those large and small ways. We thank you for the power your spirit gives and for the stories of your forgiveness in your church. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.